Hello everybody and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, yarn and comedy in equally large measures. I'm your host Joan Milmine and coming up in today's show we have a rundown of pod retreat, a visit to New Lanark Mill and the return of the infamous Shiny Bees pattern pick. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 36 of the podcast. How are you all? I hope you're all well and have been busy crafting since the last time I spoke to you. A warm welcome to any new listeners that have joined us this episode. Hello. And for all returning listeners, uh, a hearty welcome back. Have a cup of tea and have a sit down and let me tell you everything that's been going on at Casa Shiny of late. Today is Monday the 2nd of March, a later episode than advertised on our schedule and there is a reason for that, several reasons for that. So today will be a bit of a return to the old school, a bit more of a chatty story episode, although we will be in Enablers Corner going over to New Lanark Mill which we mentioned briefly in episode 34 when I was talking to Kate Davies um, about Owligan. New Lanark Chunky was one of the yarns called for for that pattern and I have um, a bit more information for those of you that don't know about New Lanark and what it's all about. I thought it'd be quite an interesting um, thing to share with you. I have all of the updates from Pod Retreat. Uh, Comedy, circus music, a go-go as it was for the the entire weekend until I got back to Scotland pretty much my luck was definitely on the down shall we say as a bit of a primer and then we have a rather hilarious pattern pick for you I think possibly my favourite ever um, but we'll see what you think there is a knitted toilet roll cover in there there isn't a dog sweater because um, frankly by the time I got to the last one and you'll see when I get there there really wasn't anywhere I could go go from there without it getting into extremely dodgy territory. Bearing in mind all of these things that are in the pattern pick, I have to put in my own queue that other people can look at. Um, and the pattern suggestions that come out of this are, are pretty much out of this world. So grab yourself a gin and tonic because it's important to drink gin and um, we'll crack on with the show. So as some of you will be aware, um, not the weekend gone, the weekend before was Pod Retreat 2015. Now if you've been listening to the show for a while, you will have heard me discuss the first Pod Retreat that took place uh, in 2014 in episode 15 which was entitled Swans, Clowns and Unicorns. And basically gave a pricey of our comedy weekend in Chester in a crazy Victorian villa full of extremely fringe artwork. Self-portraits of the owner looking like Princess Diana slash vaulting over a fence wearing a batwing tracksuit. Pod Retreat 2015 unfortunately had to change location from said crazy Victorian villa to a Welsh farmhouse. I can hear the music cranking up already. Um, 
mostly because the crazy Batwing uh, Chelsea wearing owner of the, the Chester townhouse um, managed to cock up the booking and double booked the weekend that we were booked for. So the location of that changed to a farmhouse in Denby in North Wales. Now there were some people from the original pod retreat who were in attendance. There were some new people who were in attendance and basically it's a a weekend away to knit and do knitty slash fibre related things, have a bit of a chill out, go on retreat, um, eat a lot of cake and generally laugh until um, your cheeks are aching essentially. So this year I managed to blag <laughs> Kate, Sock Kate, not TGS Kate, not to be confused, they're two different people in case you haven't caught on already. Sock Kate was um, decided to come along to pod retreat <laughs> um, with me and Kate and I have known each other for over 10 years now and every time we get together something slightly crazy happens. Various comedy stories, mostly centering previously around geocaching adventures and if you're not familiar with geocaching it's essentially a high-tech treasure hunt which is quite popular now but we were into in the kind of pre-app days sort of um kind of six pre-child days for me so at least six years ago um and we had a lot of comedy adventures whilst geocaching including scrambling up mountains and being attacked by horses slash cows and everything else you can imagine so this time i was kind of hoping that it was going to be a fairly pedestrian outing because now we have the mill miners to um to contend with as well and kate doesn't have any children so having my children super excited around her can be a little overwhelming at times although she does handle it extremely well so she'd accompanied me back on a 400 mile drive via New Lanark um, on the Wednesday from Elgin down to Wigan um, to drop off the kids and dogs and uh, the roof box was on it's all getting serious um, with my mum before we went off to pod retreat so we'd gone about our business in the morning and um, we were driving past um, from my friend's house a new pub that's opened underneath uh, Wigan Northwestern Station. Um, that's a railway station that's on the West Coast Main Line and it's quite often a station you change at if you're going to go across to Liverpool or if you're going to go across to Manchester. Um, neither of those stations, surprisingly, are on the West Coast Main Line. So you quite often change there. And underneath the railway arches is a new pub called Wigan Central, which is owned by Prospect Brewery, which are a microbrewery in, in Wigan. So I pointed this pub out to her. Bear with me, there's a point to this story. And um, said, oh, that's meant to be really good. Lots of my friends have been, been on there on Facebook and what have you and said it's really good. We'll have to go next time you're back. To which she agreed. And we, we merrily drove on got all of our stuff ready and basically got in the car and set off. Now, I decided I needed to clean the back of the car because as you can imagine, after a 400 mile drive with two children in the back, it was strewn with all kinds of debris relating to children, mostly involving pastry goods and, and mini sausages, in all honesty. There's a lot of crumbs, general rubbish. And there was no way I was going to let people get in there because I wanted to pretend for like three days that I wasn't some frazzled working mummy with a skanky car. So um, 
we went and we went to to as no, Sainsbury's, sorry, and and we hoovered at the back of the car. And then we decided to get some cold remedies for Kate. So we went to Asda and got got wipes for the car, wipes because it's all leather interior, which is good. So wiped all the car, so it was all beautifully clean. And we set off down the motorway towards North Wales. Now it isn't particularly far to Denby from my parents, so maybe an hour, an hour and fifteen. And on the way, we were going to go to Chester and pick up Gemma, who'd got the train, but there wasn't enough room in Nick Yarms from the plane Nick's car for her to fit in. So I said, oh, don't worry about it, I'll pick her up. And Nick actually called to say, oh, I'm stuck in traffic, could you, you know, can you let Louise Scully, Nick British Louise, know when you get to Chester? And I said, yeah, don't worry about it, tell her we'll pick her up, we've got loads of space, it's fine. We're on our way now, we'll be there in a bit. And um, Louise and Jen met up, sat in Costa, started drinking coffee. Kate and I were enjoying lots of tunes from, from Fleetwood Mac and it went on to uh, Michael Jackson. And I was busy merrily joining the M56 from the M6. Now, for those not familiar, um, the M6 is one of the major motorways in the UK that runs from north to south. And the M56 is a motorway that runs from west to east and it runs towards, as you go west, towards North Wales and the A55, which is the dual carriageway that runs all the way to Anglesey. And um, to the east it runs south um, towards Manchester Airport and south of Manchester essentially. So where these two motorways cross is a place called Lim Interchange, which is really busy because it's where the kind of the north and south um, arms of the M6 meet and spin out onto the M56. It's always really busy. And uh, we come spinning onto the uh, M56, get into the outside lane because I'm rock and roll in my 1.5 DCI and merrily singing away to Michael Jackson. And I was reminiscing in my head about the last time Kate and I had been on that particular road. We'd been moving um, some of my belongings to my house in Anglesey, as it was then. And it was, my mum was there, we're in this van. And it was um, the night that Michael Jackson was, was died, basically. So it was Michael Jackson songs all the way back. Um, and, but they were talking in Welsh. And none of us spoke Welsh. Most of the Welsh people don't speak Welsh in fairness. And they were jabbering away in Welsh. And that was in a radio station we could pick up. And then it would just say, Michael Jackson. Billy Jean and we hadn't a clue what had gone on but all we knew was they were playing loads of songs it was only when we got back to England and got an English radio station that we realised that they were that Michael Jackson was dead so I was reminiscing about this and I'm not sure which song um, was actually on it might have been Beat It perhaps but it was a sing-along one it's one of the old ones from you know that history CD1 and um, we're in the outside lane and we're singing away and then the next minute this this funny noise started so I pressed the accelerator down at which point I, nothing happened and there was an immediate kind of cut in power uh, and the speed went to like 40 miles an hour uh, and Kate said what's that funny noise at which point I put the hazards on and indicated and luckily got from the outside lane to the inside lane with no power at 40 miles an hour on the limb interchange, unscathed. But rather helpfully, as we kind of ground to a halt on the hard shoulder, 
Um, the little orange spanner light came on, you know, like there's something wrong with your car. Really? You don't say? Um, Mickey, <laughs> Mickey Jackson's still jabbering away in the background. And um, essentially, yeah, the car was dead. So I did what always happens when these things occur. And I'm like, get out of the car. It's not safe. Get out of the car. So kicked Kate out of the car jumped over the passenger side and went round the back and put on my high-vis jacket. The same high-vis jacket that I'd completely bantered my father-in-law about putting in there. I was just like, oh, you're so sad. You're such a loser. It's a new car. It's never going to break down. What are you going to do with that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and was merrily scrabbling around looking for a warning triangle. Um, and basically, I had to walk down the side of the motorway uh, to one of the orange phones because I've never broken down on a motorway before. But in the UK, we have these orange phones that are every a certain distance and you basically go and call them up. And um, they, they, they come, well, I never knew this, but they come and get you off the motorway for a fee. But they'll only pull you off the motorway and then leave you. So essentially, they're pretty useless. Um, but you have a, a finite amount of time to remove your vehicle from the carriageway because it's obviously the hard shoulders there for a reason. I mean, it is for broken down vehicles, but generally it's sort of you don't want anything in there. And you don't want to be in the car because they quite often get clipped by lorries. So I walked down the hard shoulder and it was probably four or five hundred metres away. On the way, I can only say was an array of random junk. Now, there's the usual things that you get by the side of the motorway. An odd shoe. Always an odd shoe in the hard shoulder. Nobody knows why. Sometimes you get a pair. How did they get there? How does the person that had them on not know that they've left them on the hard shoulder? Is that a place where you put shoes when you don't want them anymore? Is that where shoes go to die? Nobody knows, but they're always there. Have a look next time you're driving. I've driven many, many miles since I passed my test and trust me, there are loads of them. There was the obligatory blue wicked bottle with some blue wicked still in it and not urine. Uh, there was also a random dressing gown. Uh, and the most random object that I came across on my 500 metre walk on the limb interchange. Two green patio chairs, one of which still appeared to be fully functional. At what point do you think, I don't want these patio chairs anymore because now I've only got one, I'm going to get rid of them. I know, I'll was them out the car on the limb interchange. Crazy. So I spoke to the very nice guy and walked back, basically... Long story longer, we had to ring Johnny, our mate from the RAC, to come fetch the car. And, yeah, it, it was pretty dead. So he, he hooked us up to his um, his RAC van. And what I never realised about RAC vans is they're a transit van, but in the back, they've got this full-on trailer. It's like a transformer. It turns from just an ordinary RAC van with full of tools in the back, and it's sort of like... And... It turns into a ramp and your car goes on the back of that. It's really cool. So that's what happened. And he, he dragged us all the way back to Wigan, to Arnold Clark, and uh, dropped us off. And I handed over the keys, rang my dad to come get us, to take us to the railway station, to get a train to Rill. I don't know if you've ever been to Rill. We'll get on to Rill in a bit. But um, yeah, we ended up then, because it was a 50-minute wait for the train to Rill, sat in Wigan Central the bar underneath the railway station that we'd planned to go and visit at some undetermined time in the future, 
having ourselves a pint and a pork pie because that was the only food they did and it was like four o'clock and we'd eaten nothing since breakfast. So we merrily went on our way. At this point, Gemma is still stuck in Chester on her own, waiting for us who have no car because it's completely knackered, who are on the train to Rill, not even going through Chester, um, trying to figure out what's going on. So... Luckily, she managed to to get a train to Rill prior to us, and ended up ended up hanging out in the car park with Steaders in in Morrison's car park, <laughs> waiting for us to arrive. So we duly got the cracks open, the gin, everything was fine in the farmhouse, apart from the boiler wasn't working. So the owners had thoughtfully put in um, a load of electric heaters for us, so it was reasonably warm and cosy, and we we kind of cracked on. The next day was Friday and we just chilled in the morning and then we had a free form crochet um lesson in the afternoon um and knitting it's knitting and crochet it's free form I don't know if any of you have ever done it before but um it was something we all quite fancied trying I have to say after trying it it doesn't suit my personality very well um because the whole point is, is you can do whatever you want it's you know the clues in the title free form and I, I was just a bit, I have to have a point because I've so little time for crafting. I have to know exactly what I'm doing and exactly why I'm doing it. So it didn't really suit me that well. Although it was quite fun to just play around with some stuff and try something a bit different. And um, all was fine on the Friday evening. It was all kind of quite calm. On Saturday, we went to Rill. Louise Scully and I had to post some stuff, some yarn, so we, we ran off to the post office and as we walked past a particular chip shop um, that had a statue of Elvis outside, we both remarked, oh yeah, and it was called Millie's Cafe with the statue of Elvis, we both remarked how you can't go past a cafe that's called Millie's Cafe and has a statue of Elvis outside. Now the rest of the crew caught us up at the post office at the end of the same street and also decided they would quite like to go to Millie's Cafe with the plastic statue of Elvis outside. So we did and had delicious fish and chips. I introduced Gemma to chips and gravy because she's from London, so she's never had this northern delicacy. Outside, of course, there were some pictures. You probably saw them on Instagram. Um, mostly where I try not to wet my pants whilst doing an impre- a very bad impression of Elvis. Um, but then we noticed as we got there that the cafe was called Millie's Cafe, Charlie's Cafe, Julie's Cafe and someone else's cafe as well. It's proper like Identity Crisis Cafe. And then you've got a, a, a thing of Elvis outside, a statue of Elvis. What's Elvis got to do with chippies in Wales? In real? So yeah, we, we had a rather bracing walk on the beach and went to the chocolate shop in Denby and then we went back home. Now I had noticed at various points during the weekend that I could smell like burning dust that smell you get when you put your heating on for the first time in winter and it smells like burning dust through the whole weekend and I assumed this was down to the oil fill radiators that were festooning the um the building but it turned out that wasn't the case and actually what was happening was the fuse box was slowly setting on fire in the farmhouse in which we were staying which was nice and someone finally noticed, we, we were stayed up the back stairs, we had to walk past this, this cupboard. Um, someone finally noticed that actually it was kind of on fire. So there was a bit of kind of, well, in fact, we only noticed it was on fire after the lights went out. <laughs> so all of the electric went off in the property, leaving on only two safety lights. 
I didn't have my head torch, major fail there on the packing, never got anywhere in life without a head torch, I'm sure I've told you this before. Nick, at this point, I think, could see the deposit floating away and got a little bit high-pitched and was talking, was trying to read out the back of the fire extinguisher. I'm still knitting, um, not even put that down yet because it's, it's not a real emergency, at which point Gemma came through and nonchalantly said, oh, right, you don't want to put the fire extinguisher on there, it might make it worse. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, fine, put the knitting down, went in, grabbed a broom handle, not the front off the... <laughs> the old fuse box and it was it was it had finished being on fire by this point so i was like yeah open the windows nick you might want to put your stock in the car for it all smells melting plastic um and luckily the owners were actually staying there and they had three or four extra cottages on the site because it was the middle of nowhere down the steepest hill you've ever seen it was ridiculous it was like a slalom and um we've got no electric no heating no nothing we couldn't even put the dinner on um, and it was only warm-ups and <laughs> we ended up decamping to the cottages next door which was kind of crazy but fun um, so on the Sunday I was kind of looking forward to going home luckily on the um, Friday morning I'd had the excellent news that the timing belt had snapped in the engine of my car yeah, it's a diesel engine as I mentioned so it's a fairly major piece of kit however the car's only four years old so the repair bill was seven thousand pounds luckily the timing belt was only halfway through its kind of advertised life so Renault agreed to pay for an entire new engine so that's what happened they ordered an entire new engine for my car um so I was in pretty good mood until the fire of course and um, went back home and Bowsey had developed some kind of fever fever not a good fever though so i ended up taking him to the emergency vet on sunday because he was panting and trembling at the same time really weird for him and he does like to make everything very dramatic so that was i misheard what he said for the call out fee i thought he said 20 pounds he didn't he said 120 pounds so the overall bill was 131 pounds so the treatment involved was about eight quid and then you get your vat and the call out 120 quid crazy dog He's fine now, no need to worry about him. Some low-grade infection. I had to take him back on the Monday for blood test, which came to another 100 odd quid. Turns out it was just a random infection um, and a bad haircut from the vet for Bowser. But then I needed new tyres and brakes on my car, <sighs> along with a new engine. There's pretty much nothing new that they've not put on it, to be honest. I, I may as well just have thrown in a new, a new steering wheel and a gear knob, and I, that would have been a new car. Never buy French. And um, I noticed on the... What day was it? I was trying to go home. Thursday. I'm trying to get home. So I'm already four days late going home. That the clutch was a bit weird. Like really floppy. So um, as I drove, it got better. So I, I thought, yeah, it's fine. It's probably just a bit of air. It's fine. And it was all fine until I was on the motorway. And I've been on the motorway for about an hour and a half. In fact, I was in Scotland by this point. And um, we stopped in the traffic. And then I started using the car again. And the um, clutch was flapping again. So I was just like, oh, I'm going to look up the nearest Renault. And luckily on the sat-nav, again, one of the only pieces of the car that was not replaced during these uh, this uh, whole saga, it, you can put in the nearest Renault garage and you can go to any of them. So I rock-starred up to Motherwell Renault and said, my clutch is a bit broke, can you have a look at it? Got the kids out of the car who tore merry hell out of this dealership. Izzy at one point was pulling a, a balloon off a car and was about to rip off the windscreen wiper blade 
when the guy just gave her the balloon, I was just like, oh, this is horrendous. And it turned out that the, the, the clutch was fine and it's been fine since. Um, my nerves by this point, not so much. The guy who had the, the master fitter who had to try the car, um, don't like dogs, dogs were in the boot, stinking, because one of them had been sick on himself. So, but I was really worried because all the way up, there were lots of um, motorway signs that were saying blizzard conditions forecast, freezing conditions forecast. And I was just like, I do not need to be on the A9 in the middle of the highlands, in the snow, where you don't get radio one, let alone mobile signal, with two kids and two dogs, with a car that's not working. So I, I pulled in there, and it, it was fine in fairness, so off we went. Into a blizzard. I thought they were going to close the A9. It was like, you know, um, on Star Trek, where they go to warp speed, R.I.P. Spock, um, and all of the stars start going past you. It was like that, but with snow. Uh, the whole way. Uh, couldn't see the road. Nothing. Absolutely crazy. Kids were asleep. I'm just sat there going, I can't even, I'm doing 30 miles an hour because I can't actually see the road. And then by the time I got to Elgin, it stopped. But then I thought the roof box was falling off because all the bits of snow that had accumulated on the roof box were just falling onto the roof as they melted, uh, which is really creepy. So that was pod retreat and all of the issues that went on. Now you you will have seen me rocking the high vis on on Instagram because clearly the only thing you can do when you're stuck by the side of the motorway, incredibly late with a, a refugee stuck in Chester from the south, and and no car is is to put it on Instagram. Clearly, not saving the battery for anything important. Um, but yeah, I would recommend pod retreat next year. Wouldn't recommend driving with me. But anyway, I think we should go on to uh, the Enablers Corner and a visit to New Lanark Mill. So, New Lanark Mill. On the way down of the 400 mile drive, we decided to stop at New Lanark Mill. And New Lanark is a World Heritage Site and it's a village on the River Clyde and it's approximately a mile and a half from New from Lanark itself, and it's that's about forty kilometres southeast of Glasgow in Scotland. New Lanark Cotton Mills, because it is the village is built around a set of mills essentially, was founded in seventeen eighty six by David Dale, who was in a brief partnership with Richard Arkwright. Now, Arkwright might sound familiar as he was credited with helping to invent the spinning frame with a chap called John Kay. The spinning frame produced a stronger thread than the spinning jenny. But there was a lot of kickback at the time, particularly in Lancashire, about um, patenting designs. Um, which eventually led to the breakup of the partnership and David Dale selling the mills, the land and the village in the early 19th century to another partnership which included his son-in-law, Robert Owen. Now, Robert Owen is the main kind of hero guy at New Lanark. He was a philanthropist and he was intent on improving the lives of the workers through education and through better working conditions. Um, subsequently, um, because his ideas were so far kind of ahead of the time, 
He became quite an influential social reformer. He opened the first infant school in Britain in 1817 at the mill, you know, to educate the children. And that was one of his big kind of um, passions, really, was looking after the, the children and making sure that they all had an education as well as having work. Many of the workers were from the poorhouses of Glasgow and Edinburgh, so they, they were pretty kind of disadvantaged to start with. But clearly his um, his mill was, was one of the places to be when it comes to working. Um, he proved that it was possible to have a healthy, clean environment uh, with happy workers because they were well looked after and they had um, medical care and education and still make a profit. So now the whole village is a World Heritage Site and it's situated next to the Falls of Clyde, the Clyde River. Uh, which provided power essentially to the mills via water wheels. That's a great place to have a walk as it's also on the Clyde walkway which is a long distance footpath which passes through the village. There's loads of stuff going on there. There's a visitor centre, the Scottish Wildlife Centre has a little outpost there, comprehensive learning and outreach programme um, that you can access online as well with dedicated sections and laws of downloadable resources and things. So if you're a teacher and you're teaching history or industrial revolution or a geographer, then there's loads of good stuff there for you for that. And obviously loads of stuff in terms of like hosting school visits, tertiary education, adult learning, you name it really. They're, they're really into their education in a big way. We um, decided to go because it's about halfway on, on the trip, although it is a fair way. It's about 17, 18 miles off the motorway. And we got a voucher, um, an offer from Woucher for half price entry. Now, what I didn't know at the time, but I did look and couldn't find the information, is that under six getting free. But it didn't tell you this on either Woucher or the New Lanark website, which is quite annoying because obviously Kate and I got in for half price, but then we'd paid half price entry for both the children who didn't even need to pay at all. Um, and I was a bit bemused because normally under fours are normally free because they can't really appreciate the ins and outs of it um, and Sammy certainly didn't appreciate the pest, Preston Pants tapestry I'm not going to lie to you but he didn't say that to you now on the main site it does say there's um, a free child option for underage children but again it doesn't say what age that involves it's a bit, bit kind of pointless really However, what I did think was good was um, on the main New Lanark website, they do family tickets and they do a two plus two option and a two plus four option, two adults, two children, two adults, four children, um, which I think is quite good because quite often you just get a two plus two as your family ticket option and that's that. So as I said, there's quite a lot of stuff going on there and um, the first thing we went on was the Annie McLeod experience ride, which basically... It is like a ride. It's not like a ride. It is a ride. And it's as you go around, you're in sort of a little hanging basket thing. Uh, it's like a ghost train. You know, where you have like the, it's like an egg shape and you sit in the egg shape and then you go around and see stuff. And it basically tells you the story of the mill through the medium of this little girl called Annie McLeod. She makes a few kind of pointed comments at, at points through through the kind of narrative. Um, that allude to some of the conditions um, suffered and the fact that people did still die early and things like that. 
Um, then when we finished on the Anna McLeod experience, we went up onto the roof garden, which is on top of one of the mill buildings. And it's a beautiful walled garden on top of a mill, beautiful views. It was quite sunny. There's a lovely fountain there. And I can imagine in summer, it'd be a lovely place to take a picnic. Um, there are picnic areas within the mill complex itself as well and a play area, but we didn't get as far as that, to be honest with you. The, we were there for three hours and um, we didn't do half the stuff, so it's definitely a full day trip or a multiple trip, if, if you can manage that. There was also, that we didn't get a chance to look at, was the Robert Owens School for Children, the Mill Workers' House, Robert Owens's house, which was the big the big house, the house with more rooms than people, and the village store. We did go into the um, the working mill and have a look at the machinery and the people and cotton exhibition, which was really cool because they were um, they were spinning the new Lanark yarn. They were spinning Damson the colourway on the um, on the spinny thing, <laughs> spinny thing. I don't know what it was, but Sam loved it. He just stood there watching it. He thought it was brilliant. Um, we also looked at the Preston Pans tapestry. Now this is a tapestry that was done following on from the Great Tapestry of Scotland. Now you may remember this from Caithness Craft Collective podcast and Louise, who was her part, she actually stitched on that with the textile group. This particular tapestry celebrates the journey of Bonnie Prince Charlie, who was only 25 years of age at the time, from France through the Scottish Highlands and basically to victory at the Battle of Preston Pans. It's 104 metres wide and every embroidered panel has been done by volunteers it was really good it was really difficult to look at with a two-year-old he was just he ended up running around and going up and down the stairs outside so i only got a very brief look at it but that's actually free to enter whereas the visitor center is not so um if you're popping by on the motorway it's definitely worth uh, heading off to have a look at that also on the site they have a hotel and I understand a few people have stayed there. I know Isla, who listens to the podcast, has stayed there and she had some nice pictures. It looks lovely inside. And I looked at maybe staying there uh, to break up journeys because uh, it's quite reasonably priced, really, uh, for such a nice location. But the family rooms only sleep three, which is kind of pointless, <laughs> to be honest. So we're probably not going to stay there unless it's just me and Millie, to be, to be perfectly um honest because there's not going to be there's not going to be space otherwise the main and most interesting thing for you guys other than all of the history etc is that new lanarks do spin their own yarn as we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast and um with kd in episode 34 and they're still spinning it on the 19th century spinning mule using traditional methods so for you british wool fans um the Donegal Silk Tweed, the Heather Mixtures and the Natural Blend are all British wool. The Donegal Silk is 90% uh, wool and 10% silk. The Heather Mixes is 100% wool and is dyed in the colours of the Scottish countryside. And the Natural Blend is again 100% wool and this is created by blending undyed merino and swarbles in different quantities to create the different shades. Now all of these yarns come in DK, Aran and Chunky weights and they are really keenly priced for what you, for 100% wool, you'd struggle to beat this anywhere. Um, it's £4.50, £4.50 for a 100 gram ball for the Chunky. 
which is the yarn, one of the yarns that's called for in the Oligan cardigan, which is just fantastic value. Um, I bought 10 balls because I wanted to do a smaller, I don't want a big Oligan, I'm going to adjust it to be a small one. And um, so I spent like, what, 45 quid, and I'm going to have a full-on cardigan from that that's 100% wool because it's two strands held double for that cardigan pattern. Which, again, like I say, you, you really can't beat it. £4.50, you'd pay that for for an acrylic wool blend, anything. Um, it's really, really good value. And it it's quite crunchy in, when you get it initially, but it, apparently it washes to be very soft. And I've heard that from a lot of different people. I know Hoxton was a big fan of it. Um, and the best thing is, is that all of the proceeds from this yarn go back towards keeping the mill running. So... To quote KD, what's not to love? The Aran is £4.50 a ball as well for 100 grams, and the DK is £3.50 per 50 gram ball. They do have an online shop and they do deliver worldwide. So anywhere that Royal Mail goes, New Lanark Yarn goes. Um, obviously, the postage charges are adding according to the weight, and Royal Mail isn't the cheapest way of sending things, certainly not in the UK anyway. Um, but overseas, to be honest, once you get past a certain weight, it don't really matter anyway. You're still paying a fortune. Um, but it's worth it because you're making such a saving on the yarn itself. And the online shop is newlanarkshop.co.uk and you can order directly from them. So if you're looking for New Lanark yarn, rather just go to them than a stockist because quite often um, the stockists sell out really quickly um, of this yarn because it is very popular. So in summary... New Lan to be enabled to New Lanark World Heritage Site. Um, if you pop in, if you're around Glasgow area or you're passing on the motorway, it's a brilliant stop off. You don't even have to go in the visitor centre. Most of the, the, the mill and stuff, you can walk around for free. You can get into the shop for free, get into the cafe for free. It's only the actual visitor centre itself that you can't. So um, definitely give it um, a shot. There's plenty of places to walk the dogs as well if you want to get the dogs out. And um, it makes a big difference, in a, especially in a long journey with kids. Um, they were much, much quieter than they've ever been before afterwards. They were just kind of quite happy watching DuckTales in the back. So it's it's for winners, really. I'll put the website in the show notes for you so you can go have a look at all the resources that are on there and have a look at all their pictures, which are far better than man will ever be whilst I'm trying to chase a two-year-old around. Um, but definitely recommend popping in there. We'll definitely be going again. Um, and not paying for the kids to get in this time and uh, recommend that you do too well it feels like it's been a while since the last pattern pick and I've got boy have I got a treat for you today um, this week the pattern pick is on the subject of ball now, there is a very specific reason why ball was chosen, and that is because on my sort of pattern highlights, up popped a pattern for a knitted exercise ball, which is a pattern by Knit Squire Designs. It's a free pattern for a stripy cover for a Swiss ball. So you know those big kind of yoga balls, the, the exercise balls you sit on when you're pregnant it's meant to help and all that? Um, a, a cover for one of those. The description says it's for a 70mm ball. I don't think it is. I think it is a 70cm ball. 
because um, nobody's backside's fitting on a seven centimeter one, let's be honest. And the cover is made in two sections and it's knitted like a toe-up sock. And then the two halves are knitted like a toe-up sock. And then it's kitchen and clothes. No, you've not misheard me there. Kitchen a stitch, 70 centimeter circumference. Is it circumference? It must be. No, maybe it's a... That would be the diameter, wouldn't it? So the circumference would be more. But basically, kitchen kitchen a stitch in around the middle of a yoga ball, an exercise, a Swiss ball. A big one, not even the small ones. The small ones are 55 centimetres. I'll tell you what, you'd be good at kitchen a stitch by the end of that, wouldn't you? Hey. Anyway, that inspired the rest of the ball pattern pick. And it, the, the only way is up, as Yaz would say, from there. So straight onto the ball band toilet paper cover because we can't have a pattern pick without either a toilet roll cover or a dog sweater or preferably both and this is a pattern by Hakucho and it's a free pattern for a knitted toilet roll cozy done in worsted weight yarns and for, for my taste in toilet roll covers it's fairly understated 36 projects 36 of these in the wild that's a understated it is this ball is it's, everything's a ball band pattern it's a stitch pattern that i'm not especially familiar with it looks like bricks like a brick pattern and um, there's all kinds of ball band accessories um including a toilet pill paper cover and um yeah if you're into that that patterning go check it go check it out the next one i have for you is the ball and chain with ankle cuff by yarn twins can't read my own writing. It is a paid for pattern at $2.99 US and it is a crocheted pattern for a ball and chain complete with a padlocked cuff. Not sure what you use that for, I guess for costuming or maybe Halloween. Um, but if, you, if you've ever wanted one, it's very accurate. Um, the next one is for an Arigurumi crochet bunny ball by Yvonne Gainus. This is a crochet pattern for a ball slash bunny head. It's got crochet ears and in front of it it's been styled with some little mini easter eggs but it's got really strange bunny cheeks like crocheted bunny cheeks that when I saw the picture I just thought chubby bunnies. I don't know if you're familiar with the game Chub chubby bunnies um, I don't know if it's just a UK thing, but essentially what Chubby Bunnies involves is getting marshmallows and putting them in your mouth and saying Chubby Bunnies and then putting another one in your mouth and saying Chubby Bunnies till your cheeks are full of marshmallows and you're just going... It reminded me of that. Um, there are no projects for this pattern. No projects. $3.95 US. Somebody needs to do it. Somebody needs to make one. The next one, I loved this one, I really loved this one, um, was the Slinky Ball by Donna Collinsworth. And I'm our interviewer, because I think I'm going to like her. Um, it's a free crochet pattern for a Slinky Ball storage device. As in, you know, that Slinky, those springs that walks downstairs, that Slinky. Not Slinky as in Slinky Dress, Slinky as in the metal spring. Now... This is a pattern for a slinky ball cover, but what I've not told you yet is that Donna Collinsworth 
is into free patterns. She's also into patterns for slinkies. And she's got an entire free ebook of slinky crochet designs, including an octopus, a robot, a stegosaurus, and one of those dogs. You know the dog off the, the dog off Toy Story that is the slinky dog. One of those knitted amongst an array of others. Seriously, get yourself over there and have a look. It's brilliant. There's loads of stuff on it. Um, big up Donna Collinsworth, loving your work. The next one is Knit a Crystal Ball by Elizabeth Yetta. This is a free pattern for a knitted crystal ball. Gauge and size unimportant in this little Halloween decoration. I don't... I, I, I didn't know that crystal balls were like a Halloween thing. I don't know, is that an American thing? We don't have them in the UK. We have pumpkins. That, that's American too. We used to have turnips, but we've talked about that. Um, before but yeah knitted crystal ball bit of a random one I thought the whole point of a crystal ball is that you could see into it and if it's made out of white acrylic then you're not but it was quite good very realistic and finally brilliant <laughs> warning potential mature content depending on how much I can control my description during this description so Rachel Pink hair girl Rachel, earmuffs, earmuffs, okay. This is a baby blue ball gag by Nicole Law. It is a paid pattern, it's $2.99 US and it is a pattern for a knitted ball gag. Which for those of you who are not familiar and I don't think I knew this was the name of it, um, it's essentially, well the book it's from is the Naughty Needles ebook which contains 33 patterns for your knitting naughty delight. But uh, the reason it caught my eye was was the styling of the photo. And it, it, essentially it is a, a chap who's lost, he's wearing a suit and he has a ponytail. But he's lost his glasses because he has a ball gag in his mouth. Which is a little ball inside a knitted sheath. Which then the lady behind him is, is holding his head back with this ball gag. With a rather pleased look on her face. Also wearing some kind of knitted bikini underwear ensemble um whilst the guy was there i think he had a tash possibly a beard as well um but yeah funnily enough amongst all of the baby toys for balls of varying description that caught my eye and uh, the description reads thus if you have problems with your pelvic floor now would be a good time to find a private place or a toilet at last a cheerful ball gag Stick with synthetics or plant fibres unless that wet dog smell in the mouth is part of your disciplinary programme. <laughs> this quick and easy project is a dandy stash buster and a wonderful short row primer. It's just a knitted wraparound sheath shaped with short rows and tightened with D-rings. Now, <laughs> now what I like about this, this book is it is mature content it's essentially very tongue-in-cheek filth but everything has got a proper like i'm going to teach you this technique that technique you know different things in each pattern proper knitting techniques you're going to learn all of that whilst making these comedy mature content patterns which i really like because you could just go for the you know the filth factor and people would love it and it would probably you know go viral and all that kind of stuff um but 
She doesn't. She's actually like, I'm assuming it's a she. There's a lady who features in all of the programmes and it is all stuff for women. It could be a bloke, I guess. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm making an assumption there. Um, but yeah, basically, check out the full ebook. Brackets, mature content. Particular favourites for me were the Giddy Up Pony Hood, which essentially is a pony hat complete with mane for a man with integral bit that you can kind of same sort of story as the ball gag um the utterly random siren pattern which is a pattern for a mermaid themed sort of fancy dress but it also includes three knitted whips a knitted straight jacket an array of bedroom attire and something under the title of intimate apparel arrow pasties now where i'm from pasties are a baked good that you get from a pie shop that is basically a pie without a tin and it's what people took down the mines with their dinner inside it to eat in the mines because they had no cutlery and you could eat it in one go because your entire dinner was encased in pastry there were no pastry products anywhere in this picture there were five ladies wearing nipple tassels. If anyone in America can explain pasties to me, if I'm right in thinking that pasties are indeed not a baked good, delicious and nutritious, but in fact nipple tassels, um, then uh, I, I would be very grateful because there was nowhere. There was nowhere. I was Googling intimate apparel pasties. Well, on that uh, pastry fill note, that's all we've got time for this week. Expect the um, the episode that was due right, the socks epi- sock surgery episode, sorry, I was blowing my mind for the ball gag, um, that was due right yesterday will also be out this week. So it'll be a compressed schedule this week to bring us back onto the timeline. And hopefully that will be the end of uh, of all the car woes and everything else and the comedy circus music getting louder and louder in the background. My luck certainly seems to have changed recently. Um, I went for some baby presents for people and found that I had the exact right number of points in boots to pay for the goods. So I was like, winning! So I think I think my, my luck is on the change. Um, but for all of you, because I know some of you have had an absolute stinker as well, um, I hope this week will be a better week. Speak to you all soon and happy crafting. Bye. You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their yarn, knitting and comedy in equally large measures. If you'd like to get in contact, you can do so via the blog where you can find full show notes every week at www.shinybees.com. I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and Pinterest. Or you can contact me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. 